Good morning. Good to see you today. I'm glad that you're here for this special service. We call this ACS Sunday, and I'm glad we've got some people in the balcony. I'll try to remember to look up to you in the balcony. I'm not used to doing that, but it's good to see all of you here today. We're going to have a good time. I want to start by talking about uh, Albany Christian School a little bit uh, again. Albany Christian School, as I mentioned earlier, started in 1964, and uh, I got to be part of the school's leadership for a few years, and working with kids is just a hoot. I mean, it's, it's difficult, don't get me wrong, but as you know, some of you have kids, and then just try to multiply that and put 10, 20, 30 in a classroom, working with kids is fun and crazy. I remember hearing the story one day of one of our students who was in a preschool classroom, and they had spent some time talking about Jesus that day in preschool. And so the, G, the, story tell, or the teacher tells the story of Jesus and how he lived and how he went to the cross and how he was crucified. And, that, and that's kind of scary for a preschooler, right? So after school that day, the, the uh, parent comes and picks up the preschooler, and they go out, and they're going out to the parking lot, and the teacher... The parent says, let's go and go to the crosswalk. And the little kid freaks out, preschooler. No, no. And she's like, why? What's the problem? And he says, Jesus died on a crosswalk. <laughs> like, we didn't mean to freak the kid out. But, well, you know, he's learning. He's learning some things about Jesus and the difference between a cross and a crosswalk. And, you know, we asked for some of our teachers just to tell us some of the funny things that have been said recently. I, I got a few of these I just wanted to share. Uh, one was a prayer from one kid, and he just said this. This is just uh, beautiful that they get to pray in school, but he's praying this. Jesus, I want you to know that you are wonderful, and I really hope you have a good life. Amen. <laughs> I'm like... I think Jesus has had a good life and will continue to have a good life. And thanks for that prayer. Then I, I read about this kid. You know, school is just education and you're just trying to figure things out. And part of that is just having to learn the English language, right? Little kid said this about, uh, I, I can't even figure this out, but he said, I almost had a bloody nose all day tomorrow. Man, if I'm a teacher hearing that, I almost had a bloody nose all day tomorrow. I'm like, poor kid, I don't know what to do with that. But they're learning. And then this little girl, you know, part of school too, they go on the playground and they get hurt, right? And this little girl said to her teacher, she said, I fail and I hurt my bladder. I'm not sure how that happens. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, working with kids is a hoot, and we've had the privilege of being able to do that for 52 years here at Albany Christian School. I want to introduce a few people to come up on stage with me and just tell you a few of their stories briefly, and so I'm going to have one of our parents, Kathy Aronson, come up, and then three of our former students, Taylor Dawson, Adriana Kurdeman, and Zach Davidson, to come up here and share with me, please. So would you give them a nice warm welcome here? I didn't go about Adrienne here. We'll start with Kathy first. And Kathy, if you could just tell us about your kids, why you sent your kids to Albany Christian School, and when was that, and what, what grades they're in now, things like that. Sure. Um, we have a third grader and a seventh grader here, and we had moved back from Salem. I grew up here. It's my hometown. Um, we didn't get very far. What was far. your high school? South Albany. All right, good. Um, and uh, where I met my husband. And um, they have been coming here since Lauren was in first grade. Um, so it's about when we moved back. And we 
brought her here because it was the Christian school in town. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that was, at the time, she was tiny, and the thought of putting her in a bus was just, like, we couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So she was in town, and we could take her and make sure she got in the school safely, and yeah. it was great. Now I'm embarrassing her. That's all right. That's all right. How did you get to Willamette Community Church, then, you and your husband? Well, you know, when you move, you got to find a new home church. We've been going to Salem Alliance for a long time, and um, it was hard to find, you know, kind of that spot. And um, not hard to find Christians, but hard to find good family. And we had come for a few ACS Sundays, and about four years ago, actually, um, we came to ACS Sunday again. We'd been, and we thought, wow, why haven't we come to, you know, kind of a normal service? Yeah. What Pastor Scott's saying on a regular day, and uh, we stayed. Yeah, good, good. Tell us one thing you appreciate about Albany Christian School as a parent of a couple kids. I already bargained with Scott. He said I could do two. Okay, two. Okay, all right. You can do two. Um, two. So uh, our teachers and staff get to talk about Jesus with our kids on a one-on-one basis and in a group, and it's just awesome. Our kids are learning Bible verses. Now, that is a little painful at home sometimes, but it's yeah. awesome because it's in there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, I've made more connections with parents, awesome and amazing parents that attend churches all over our community um, because of the school, and I am so thankful for that. Good, it's been great. good. Thanks for sharing, Kathy. T- Taylor Dawson, I'm going to ask you three some questions. You just keep passing the microphone back and forth. Let's start with this question. When did you, uh, what grades did you three go to school here? Um, okay, so I went here from preschool to eighth grade. Um, I actually showed up halfway through preschool. I got kicked out of my other preschool when I was little, and then uh, so then I. Showed I didn't up here. know that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. I'm still stuck on that. Kicked out of preschool, and we took you. That's awesome, isn't it? That we would. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Adriana I was here from preschool to eighth grade as well. Preschool through eighth grade. And Zach? Kindergarten through fifth grade. Kindergarten through faith, fifth grade. Okay, let's go back to this. Then where did you go after you left here? Where did you graduate from high school, you guys? So I graduated from high school at Eastland Christian Academy. Yeah, what year was that? 2013. Little Eastland. I went to West Albany High School, and I graduated in 2014. 2014. And Zach? San Christian, 1999. 1999. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So what are you guys doing now? Let's talk a little about that. Uh, So right now I'm a junior at Corbin University and I'm a math major. So that means I'm taking a lot of classes from uh, Scott's brother Mike. And so that's been going really good. I'm sorry for you. (laughs) I am also going to Corbin University and I'm a psychology major with a minor in intercultural studies. And I am also on the track team. All right. I did go to college and graduate from George Fox University uh, a long time ago, and um, graduate with an undergrad degree in history and then a master's degree in education, and uh, now at Concordia working on a doctorate degree um, in administration. I spent most of my career up till this year in public school teaching and administration. Just this last year, I uh, took over the home at a Christian school much like Albany Christian, it's a K-12 school that runs through a church as an awesome minister at a church called Damascus Christian. Excellent, excellent. Good, good. One last question, guys. Uh, tell us one thing you remember, one thing you appreciate about your years at Albany Christian School. 
so my years here at Albany Christian School, um, I had really great, wonderful teachers, um, all Christians, and they really built into my life and invested into my life and gave me a uh, solid biblical foundation, which just carried me through high school and into college and onto my life. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, what I really appreciated most about ACS was the personal relationships I had between the teachers, and that really impacted my walk through uh, Christ and also on in my life. And um, I am still in contact with a few teachers, um, Mr. Reeves way down there, Um, and I also talk to Miss Edelman every now and then, and she was my eighth grade teacher, and I really appreciate them a lot. Good. Thanks, Adriana. Zach, something you remember about those years way back then, Albany Christian School? Lots of teachers. Well, um, I remember I was scared to death of Mrs. Fritz, um, (laughs) who taught fourth grade. I remember Marsh up front here was uh, working with the preschool kids. Mr. Reeves, who probably would be surprised that I'm in administration today. <laughs> um, I was not the most uh, ideal student, I'm sure, back in fifth grade. It, it took me a time, some time to grow up and mature. Um, Mrs. Simpson, who, I don't know if she was necessarily on staff here, but she tutored and helped me out a lot. I was uh, one of those very academically challenged students. And so mm. a lot of people poured a lot of effort and work into me, and uh, it's because of their patience and flexibility that um, I'm at where I'm at. Yeah. These are great stories. Let's give thanks to the Lord and give thanks to these four individuals. Thank you very much. Oh, good stories, good stories. Uh, and uh, that is what God's doing, and that's what He's been doing through this ministry for 52 years. By His grace, He'll continue to do that. And so I thank you four for sharing your stories today. Well, I want you to get ready to open your Bibles this morning. I want to share some things with you that will tie into our school and, and yet will tie into a series that we started last week, a series that we entitled V versus H, Where Do I Turn? Where Do I Turn? If you have your Bibles with you today, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 3. We're going to be there in just a moment. But what we are asking is, where do I turn in life to find peace? And where do I turn in life to find hope? And where do I turn in life to find love and meaning and things like that? And last week we looked at a passage in Isaiah chapter 45. It's at the top of your notes. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. And I would ask this morning if you would recite this with me. Let's do this passionately. Ready, begin. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. As we look at this question, where do we turn for certain things? We hear these words from God that were spoken through the prophet Isaiah, turn to me. God says, turn to me. And I I want us to see that today because the question that we will continue to ask over the next few weeks is, where do I turn? And ultimately, you have two choices. Do I turn vertical or do I turn horizontal to answer a lot of these questions? Do I turn to God As it says there in Isaiah 45, or do I turn to the things that I can see and touch and the things that are around me? And so I want to continue with that today, specifically with this idea, where do I turn to determine my identity? Where do I turn to determine my identity? And for this, I want to look in Luke chapter 3 today. If you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 858. 
And this question about where I turn for identity, it's a question that every single individual needs to answer. It's a question that every church should be considering and trying to answer. It's a question that every school, every Christian school should be answering. What is our identity? It's a question that every ministry should be asking. It's a question that every business should be asking. Where do I turn to determine my identity? It's so important for you and I to know where we do turn From the earliest ages, we battle with identity. Who am I? And I'm going to say this, that unless we turn vertical to God, we are going to struggle throughout life. And whether you're a church or a school or an individual, unless you turn to God for your identity, you will struggle. You and I, we've probably struggled much of our life because we've started looking at different things to determine our identity. You start asking these questions. Who am I? What determines my identity? Am I loved? What makes me lovable? Am I accepted? What makes me acceptable? And every school kid struggling with this question, and I'd like to say that every adult can struggle with this question unless we go vertical and see that the answer to this is to look to God. And so God has answers for us. I want to share some of that with you. We're going to see this in Luke chapter 3. Because where we turn for our identity is such an important issue that even Jesus, catch this, even Jesus had to wrestle with this. What's my identity? The Son of God, God in the flesh, He had to have this confirmed what His identity was for His life. If Jesus has to have that confirmed, I'm going to offer that every single one of us has to wrestle with that question, get that confirmed. Where do I turn to answer this question? How do I determine my identity? I want to say this first, that Jesus turned vertically and heard from the Father. If you're taking notes, Jesus turned vertically and looked and heard from the Father. He's about ready to go on a grueling ministry for three years. He knows it's going to lead to a cross. He knows that he's going to have to pay for the sins of the world. And before he starts this ministry, he looks vertical. He listens to the Father to understand his identity. Follow along with me, would you, in Luke chapter 3, page 858. I want to start at verse 21. I want to look at a few verses here and then I'll have you... Skip over and I'll look at another chapter later. Luke chapter 3 verse 21 says this, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, with you I am well pleased. He hears these words, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. This is what Jesus heard from the Father. This completely shapes his identity. He hears from the Father, I'm the beloved son. He's pleased with me. Let's just write down some of these things. Jesus heard this, this is my son. In other words, the Father says, I have a connection to you. A family connection, you, a connection with you. I'm looking at you as my son. 
Not only are you a son, but you're the son whom I love. I have a commitment to you. Not just some fuzzy or a warm, fuzzy feelings for you, but I have a commitment to you. And the father says this to Jesus. He says, I love you. I'm committed to you. And then he says these words, with whom I am well pleased. I am pleased with you just as you are. It's interesting, the father doesn't say things like this, you know what, I will love you when you get done with your project here over the next three years. I love you because you're such a stud, a, a humble man who would leave heaven. And He says, it's not based on your performance. I, I, you're, you're my son, and I'm committed to you, and I'm pleased with you, and you just have to know that from the beginning. And Jesus heard this from the father. If you go on and read in chapter 4, and I know some of you will, Jesus then goes into the desert. He's tempted. He's lonely. He's hungry. And over the next 40 days, he has to rely on his identity. He has to rely on the fact that, yes, I am the son of the Most High God. I am loved by him. There's a commitment he has for me. I'm hungry. I'm lonely. But I know that he's committed to me. And I know he's pleased with me, so I'm going to continue to live a life that would honor him. Over the next three years, it wasn't easy for Jesus. You could continue to read in the Gospel of Luke and just read what happened over the next three years. We read that one of his friends, John, is murdered. He deals with this grief and this loss. And then there are people who try to kill Jesus. And he knows that as he looks around, there are people that are trying to kill me. The religious people, in fact, the churchgoers, they want me dead. In over three years, this is constantly what Jesus battles with. And yet he has this identity deep down. He says, I know that I am the son of the most high God. I know that I am loved and he's committed to me. And I know that I'm pleasing to him. Because he hears so many other voices, but he knows this key identity. i got to think over the next three years, it was quite discouraging for Jesus. Could have been very depressing for him. Could have been maddening at times. Just all the things that the people are saying. In fact, if Jesus would have looked horizontally and listened to what everybody else said about him, I imagine he would have said, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. I think that's what Jesus would have said if he would have looked horizontally for his identity. He says, nobody likes me. But he looked vertical and he says, you know what? The father says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus, he looked vertically for his identity. I believe he did this first. I believe he did it often. I, did, I believe he did it in everything. Whenever he starts to hear from somebody else, he looks vertical and says, no, I'm the son, I'm loved, I'm, I'm well pleased, or I please him. And he does this first, and he does this often, and he does this in everything. Now skip over to Luke chapter 9, if you would, just a few pages over to the right. Because the cross is coming. Crucifixion is about to take place. He is about to be executed. He's about to take on the sins of the world, something that we can't even see or we can't uh, we we just can't understand the spiritual ramifications of this on Jesus. Luke chapter 9. Before the grueling cross, the identity of Jesus is confirmed again 
from above. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Read with me, please. Follow along. Now, about eight days after these things that Luke had previously written about, wrote about? That he wrote about. We'll go with that. Now, about eight days after these things, uh, he took with him Peter and John and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with Jesus, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. They're saying, hey, we understand what's going on. You're going to be leaving soon. Which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Verse 32. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with what? Sleep. They went up to pray and these guys fell asleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with Jesus. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he was saying. He didn't know what he was saying. He just, I'm not even sure what to say when I see something so crazy like this. Verse 34. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son. Here's the father again saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. You see, Jesus is about to go through this amazingly difficult situation. Going to the cross. And the father knows my son needs some words again from me. This is my son, the chosen one. You listen to him. And I think Jesus again goes vertical and says... This is what I hear about my identity from the Father. Now, as I read that, I have a question for you and me. And the question is this, where are you turning to determine your identity? Where are you turning to determine your identity? One option is for you to look horizontally. You can look on the horizon and you start getting your identity from these things. One, it might be that your past You might look at your past. You say, let me just look at something that I can see, something that I can touch, something that I can pair myself to with others. And out of your past, you you might say, man, there's a lot of hurt there. There's a lot of anger there. And this is who I am. I'm this person that was hurt. I'm this person who was damaged. And now because of this, this is who I am. I'm an angry person. And even in church, if we would be honest, we'd say a lot of us, that's us. And if you get your identity from the horizon, from the past, you're in trouble. I think another area in the horizon is you can sometimes get your identity from connections. Connections. Who you're related to. Who you're married to. Who you are friends with. And you start looking around and say, you know what? I'm important because I married an important person. I'm important because I have a friend who's important. I'm important because... Or conversely, you can beat yourself up and say, well, I'm a failure because my marriage broke up. I'm a failure because nobody likes me. And you can look to the horizon for your identity. I'm just saying it's not a good place to go. Sometimes on the horizon, you can look at achievements. You can start saying, these are the things I've done in life. I've graduated from this school and I got this honor and I now have this job and this car and this home. You can start looking at these things and start feeling important. Or you can lose these things and then start realizing maybe I'm not important. It's by looking at the horizon. 
one more idea on this would be your job. Some of us, we get our identity as we look around at our job and we say, my job is this. If you feel like you have an important job, your identity is that you're important. If you do not have a job or you don't think you have a good job, your identity then becomes, I'm not that important. And these are all things on the horizon that we would look at to gain our identity. And I'm saying that they are not good. You see, you are more than the problems that you've created in your past. You're more than that. You're more than your connections to certain individuals. You are more than any great thing that you've accomplished in life or any great thing that you could accomplish. You're more than your job title. You see, these things that you can see, that you can touch, that you can write down and say, this is who I am, things that you, where you can compare yourself to, I'll tell you this, that if you look to these things on the horizon for your identity, I, I think you will find that you will be crippled. You'll either be crippled because of pride, and you'll walk around and say, you know what, compared to everybody else, I'm, I'm pretty good. And you'll be crippled with pride, or you could be crippled when you lose these things. If your identity is in these things, that your relationships and your job title and things like this, when you lose those, it's very crippling. Are you with me? But if we look vertically, if we say, you know what, I'm going to define my identity by going vertical. I'm going to base my identity in what God says and thinks about me. This is what going vertical means. To determine my identity, I'm going to go vertical in what God says I am, of what God thinks that I am. These are things which I trust to be true based on God's character. Saying, you know what, I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I'm just going to go to God and say, this is what God says about me. This is what God thinks about me. This is exactly what Jesus was hearing. He was not looking on the horizon. He was looking vertically. Let me give you some illustrations if we could. Let's talk about this. What is Willamette Community Church? Or who are we? Who are we? We can look around on the horizon and compare ourselves to other churches. And let me do that for a little bit. 1867, we are the first Baptist church of Albany. We can look around and say, ha ha, we beat you other Baptists. We're the first. That's our heritage. That's our history. We can say that. Well, we're, we're better than just Albany. We're now Willamette community. I mean, we encompass Jefferson and Corvallis and Tangent and all of that. We're big and we look around. We're not just an Albany church. We're a Willamette community church. For better or worse, we could say, well, we were the church that had pastors of Fleischman and Wadsworth and Wood and Basham and Fleischman and Sundin and Miller. For better or worse, we could say, we tie our wagons to these guys. We could walk around and say, well, we're the church that goes to Mexico every year. Look at us. Churches, do you do that? We could be the church that says, we have a church and a school in Sierra Leone, Africa. Do you have that? We could walk around and say, we are the church that has had a Christian school right here since 1964. And in all of those things, if we look horizontally, though that is part of our identity, it's part of our history, but if we look solely to those things, do you see that that could cripple us? We could either become very proud, or in the event we ever lose any of those things I just mentioned, we could be totally devastated. 
We've lost our school and church in Sierra Leone. We lost this or that. I think sometimes even organizations, we look horizontally and just say, you know what, we're better than most or we're better than these. It's not the place to get your identity. But if we look vertically and say, what does God say about us? What does God think about us? It's simply this, that we are ordinary broken people, amen, that are growing closer to God and helping others along the way. That's what God thinks of us. That's what God says of us. He says, I want you to know you're broken people, but you're growing closer to me, good for you, and you're helping others. Great. Not for you to brag about. This is just what I say of you. This is what I think of you. I then did the same thing with Albany Christian School. Who's Albany Christian School? Well, what, what is Albany Christian School? What's their identity? We could look around at all the other Christian schools around and things like that and say, you know what, we are one of the oldest Christian schools in the state of Oregon that is still tied to a local church. And most of them, they just, they, that relationship can't work. We could talk about that. We could say we've been here since 1964. Ha, can you beat that? Not many can we can talk about our name and say, you know, we used to be Albany Private School, and, but now we're Albany Christian School. We could talk about that. We could talk about how we are a school who's been led by Ray Allen and Jason Platt and Katie Miller and, and tie our wagons to that. We could look at our attendance and say, you know, at one time we had more than 300 kids. This is how great we were. Or we could look back at part of our history and say, there was a time we had less than 50 and we were about ready to close the doors right before school started one September. As we look around horizontally, there are a lot of ways we could identify ourselves. We could say, well, we're the school that really gave birth to Sandy Am Christian School. You see, we're, we're the school that has a school in Sierra Leone. We could look at a bunch of things on the horizon. And although that is part of our history and part of our identity, that is not the best place to find our identity. Would you agree? Because if we look only to those things, it will cripple us. We'll either become proud and say, look at us. Or else, if for some reason we lost some aspect of what I just said, we could be totally devastated and say, but that was our identity. We lost it. Or we could look vertically to see, how does God see us? What does God say about us? You see, back in the 60s, God gave a vision to some people in this church and said, this community needs a Christian school. We have the ability to do this. We could get this building that we're in today, and we could have this school. This came from a vision from God for our church, for this community, for the students in our community to be educated and ministered to. And so we say this, our identity is we are here to partner with families. And to educate with excellence from a biblical foundation. We can lose a lot of other things, but here's who we are. We are here by God to partner with families in this community to educate these students with excellence from a biblical foundation. And that's part of our identity. So then I started thinking about you and me. Let's talk about us, because this is where the rubber meets the road. What about me? Who am I? Talk about me. Real quickly, I started looking on the horizon and said, okay, if I were to compare myself to other people, who would I say that I am? And I'd say, well, I'm a son of David and Coyce Miller, and now I'm the husband of Angela Miller, and I'm the dad of Adam and Madison and Ashley Miller, along with 
Tilly, Jackie, and Simba. Then I can say, well, who else am I as I'm looking around? I'm a former principal of Albany Christian School. I'm now the lead pastor of Willamette Community Church. I'm now bald. And I have to wear glasses for the first time ever. I mean, if, if I'm comparing myself to others on the horizon, I'd say this is kind of who I am. And the problem with only looking there for my identity is that that is crippling if that's the only place I look. Because what's going to happen is either I'm going to get proud about some of those things and go, yeah, that's me, that's my resume, I'm pretty something else. Or in the event that I were to lose any of that, a wife, a child, a job title, my health, whatever it might be, if my identity was solely in these things looking on the horizon, I would be devastated, crippled beyond ability to function. And so I have to turn vertical, just like you, to say, God, what is my true identity? How do you see me? Before I share that, I, I just want you to start asking this of yourself, if you would. How does God see you? Because if I were to ask you, what's your identity? You might start telling me some of the things on your resume, where you went to school, And what you're doing right now and who you're related to and things like that. These things on the horizon so that you can compare yourself to others. But I hope that you'd see there's problems when you identify yourself just looking horizontally. And so let me point us to to our true identity. And so my identity and your identity, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, let, let me show you your identity. As I turn vertical, I realize this. One, I am, love, I am a loved child of God. This does not change. This is not something to be proud about in one sense to boast about. But I am a loved child of God. Many of us, we sing a song when we were little kids, right? Yes, Jesus loves me. And then finish with the Bible tells me. I was looking at that this week. I was like, does the Bible really tell me that Jesus loves me? I put some verses in your notes there. Let me just share some of those with you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, this, this earth that he created and everyone in it that he gave his one and only son. John 15, Jesus says this. He says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. This is exactly what he did in just a few days. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, before we received Jesus even, before we were created, he sent Christ to die for us because of his love. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, in love he predestined us to be his children through adoption. You see, out of love for us, he said, I'm going to adopt you into my family. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us. And to the point of Romans 8, verse 39, the Apostle Paul says, I am convinced then that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. First and foremost, your identity is a loved child of God. You've got to embrace this. You've got to embrace this deep down. 
When you start hearing voices from other people, when you start losing parts of what you thought was your identity, you have to know first and foremost, I am loved child of God, just like Jesus. Let me share a couple other things. As you turn vertically, you're going to find out that I'm in daily, I'm daily in need of grace. As you turn vertically, I'm daily in need of God's grace. In other words, there's no room for pride here. There's no room for pride. It's like, man, I'm something else. No. I'm daily in need of God's goodness in my life. Without it, I'm sunk. That's part of my identity. I'm one who's daily in need of grace. As I turn vertically, I'm in the midst of my own sanctification. This is part of my identity. I'm in the midst, I'm in the middle of my own growth that God is growing me. He is doing something in me. I know sometimes you think, oh, I I think he's done with me. He's not. He started a good work in you. He will carry it on to completion in you. And so every single one of us who's a follower of Jesus, we're in the midst of our own sanctification. I know sometimes you might walk in at church and go, man, I've got to be the only one who doesn't have it together. None of us do. We're all in the midst of our own sanctification. This God making us holy. God making us pure. As I turn vertically, I see this, that I'm still in a battle with sin. Still in a battle with sin. It's part of my identity. I'm, I'm in a battle. Not done with this. I don't know what you look at or what you see when you look up here. I'm still in a battle with sin. There are temptations every day for me and there are temptations for you. It's part of our identity. And as I turn vertically, I also see that I'm in need of the body of Christ. I'm in need of the body of Christ. I look around and I say, okay, God, what's my identity? And he says, you are a part of the body. You need them. They need you. They need each other. We need each other. This is part of your identity. Is that you need what Jesus has provided for you here. I can't grow best without your help. You can't grow best without each other's help. Look at this list. Here's who I am. This is my identity. I'm a loved child of God, daily in need of grace, in the midst of my own sanctification, still in a battle with sin, and I need, still in need, of the body of Christ. That's my identity as I go vertical. It really has nothing to do with the job that I have held before. It has really not a whole lot to do with the possessions I have. It's what God has done for me. It's my standing before Him. As we wind down, I'll say this, as we continue to turn vertical, and I would hope that you would do this today and tomorrow and the rest of your life. As we continue to turn vertical to determine our truest identity, we will become more secure in the fact that we are His beloved children. If you continue to say, God, remind me who I am, you are going to become more and more convinced. He will speak to your heart and say, you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. If you look horizontally, I'm not sure what the world's going to tell you. They'll either prop you up in a fake tone or they will leave you and cause you to feel devastated. But as we turn vertically, we're going to be convinced more and more that, yes, I'm a beloved child of God. So let me finish by asking you two questions today. Two questions. First question is this. Have I turned to Jesus as my Savior? 
Have I turned to Jesus as my Savior? In a room this big with this many people, I wouldn't assume that we all have. If you have, then keep looking to Jesus for your identity. Sometimes on the way out, I say things like this to you on the way out. I say, keep looking to Jesus. It's not that I know that you did some certain sin this last week. I just know this is where you need to keep turning. And I need to keep turning there. Keep turning vertical to Jesus. But if you have not even turned to Jesus, I'm telling you, you will figure it out sooner or later. That looking to the horizon for your identity is a dead end. That you have to turn to your Savior Jesus. And he will forgive your sins and say, we're family. Second question is this then. Will I allow, allow Jesus to speak into my identity? Will I allow him? This would be my prayer for us that we would allow him to speak into our identity. This week you are going to hear things from other people that you're great, that you're a loser. You're going to, I don't know all the things, but if you look on the horizon you will hear a lot of voices. But will you allow Jesus to speak into your identity? And he says, yes, I love you. We're family. I know you're still in the midst of temptation and and you battle with sin. And I'm still growing you in all of this. But I love you. I love you. My prayer for you and my prayer for myself is this. That if we look horizontally, it's going to cripple us. And so we have to look vertically. Vertically, we have to go vertical to God, turn to Him. He's going to remind us of His great love for us. Would you bow your heads and reflect on this with me for a second, and then we'll pray. God, I I want to take a moment to confess in front of and with my brothers and sisters that we put way too much stock in the, our horizontal identity. And it's fake. It's part of our history. It's part of our identity. But it's not our true identity. And I know at times you take those things away and you deconstruct us at times just to get us to look to you. And so even today, would you cause us to look to you? Some, maybe even for the very first time, saying, Jesus, I need you now. And so, Heavenly Father, would you cause us to look to you today and this week and all the days of our life? Would you help us to look to you for our identity? And as we do that, we... We'll hear your words. We will read them as we open your Bible. We will hear these words. You are my son. You are my daughter with whom I love. With whom I'm well pleased. And so I thank you for that, God. There's nothing we've done to deserve your love, to deserve your eternal commitment to us. But you have said, I love you. I made you. I sent my son for you. So would you help my brothers and sisters and me to allow you to speak into our identity now and for all time. So thank you for having a great love for us. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name.